1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Calcio Podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie a fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host Joe Fischetti, thank you as always for listening. This will be a shorter episode than usual, I have only two parts for you today. In part 1, I'll review our second femminile match of the season which was played on Saturday against Roma. And in part 2, I'll review our friendly match on Monday against Benevento. So let's start with our match against Roma on Saturday played at the Stadio di Bartolomé in Rome. The schedule certainly hasn't been very kind to us to start the season. We opened the season against a very strong Inter team who beat us quite comfortably. Then we had to play against another strong team who's probably even better than inter at least according to last season's final table they were better not to mention that this match was away from home roma won their first trophy last season beating milan in the final of the coppa italia and this season they've picked up right where they left off they opened their season with a convincing 3-0 win over alessandro pistolezzi's former club empoli remarkably all three goals were own goals but at least until the third goal, traffic flowed in only one direction. It wasn't until after that third goal that Empoli started to create some chances of their own. So, with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Roma lined up in a 4 2 3 1 with Carmelia Cesar in goal. Alison Swabi and Tecla Patanuto started at center back. Patanuto started over Elena Linari. Linari is normally a pillar of that Roma defense, but she was suspended for this match. Elisa Bartoli started at left-back and Lucia Di Guglielmo started at right-back. Vanessa Bernauer and Manuela Giuliano started in the double pivot. Anna Maria Serturini started on the left wing. Benedetta Gliona started on the right wing. Andresa started in the 10 and Valeria Pirone played up top. For Napoli, Pistolezzi lined up in a 4-3-3 with the Yolanda Gira in goal. Emily Garnier and Hedin Corrado started at centre-back. Sedia Bramson started at left-back and Francesca Iprezzabile started at right-back. Sara Gonzalez started in the center of the midfield with Melanie Kunrath to her left and Eleonora Goldoni to her right. Ariana Akuti started on the left-wing and Kaya Ertzin started on the right-wing. Congratulations to Ertzin, by the way, for getting called up to the Slovenian national team. Slovenia will play against Estonia on the 17th and France on the 21st. Finally, Evi Popadinova started at striker. So those were the starting lineups next let's get to the match for the second consecutive match we were completely dominated by our opponent Roma were by far the more positive side right from the opening kickoff they got their first shot on target only two minutes into the match Giuliano carried the ball through the midfield and played it out wide to Gliona that pass should have been intercepted by Corrado but somehow the ball got through her which opened up the shot for Gliona. Fortunately Aguirre made the save but this was a common theme in this match namely poor play from Napoli leading to chances for Roma. Aguirre was very busy in this match, she was nearly tested in the 8th minute after a Roma free kick got through the wall, however the low shot missed the target. She made another save only a few minutes later albeit a routine one on a shot by Pirone from the edge of the area. Early on in the match we saw two very different approaches to defending. Napoli dropped deep and only pressed with Popadinova. With only 1 player pressing against the 4 man back line it was very easy for Roma to progress the ball beyond that press. Roma on the other hand were pressing high and forced us to either make mistakes or to play the ball long. In either case we gave the ball right back to Roma far too easily. About midway through the half this game took a horrible turn for us. Starting in the 18th minute Roma scored 3 goals in 4 minutes. The first goal was scored by Andressa and I'm not entirely sure that shot was intentional but it was Andressa and I wouldn't put it past the Brazilian either. As all of Roma's goals against Empoli were own goals, Andressa was the first Roma player to record a goal this season. Consistent with the theme of this match, Roma were gifted the chance as a result of a Napoli mistake. The play started with a throw-in by Di Guglielmo, which she played down the line. It looked like Garnier could have won the ball, but it bounced awkwardly on her and ended up on the feet of Andressa. She controlled the ball on her thigh and from a very tight angle, whether intentional or not, scored a ridiculous palo netto on the volley over Aguirre and into the goal at the far post. Roma doubled their lead only 2 minutes later and unfortunately this goal could have been avoided as well. Roma passed the ball out of the back before Giuliano played a long through ball to Sertorini from about midfield. The pass was played straight to Imprezabile but again, somehow the ball got through her. Perhaps an even bigger mistake made by Imprezzabile on this play was that she was playing too deep. The rest of the line had pushed up so had she pushed up as well she likely would have caught Sarturini offside. Even if Sarturini stayed in line with Imprezzabile, if she pushes up, it would have been much more difficult for Sarturini to get to that ball. Regardless of the error though, you do have to tip your hat to Sartorini. First, she did really well to control the ball, which is not easy to do when you're expecting the defender to make a play on the ball. You have to be able to react quickly and that's what she did there. The ball popped up on her with her first touch and then she took it down beautifully with her second touch all while cutting across Imprezzabile. Then the finish was absolutely spectacular. From the edge of the area, she curled her shot in signa tiro-gir style around Aguirre and into the back of the goal. There was absolutely nothing Aguirre could have done on that shot. Finally, only a minute later, Roma added their third. This play started with a turnover around midfield. Roma quickly broke with Gliona down the right wing. She crossed the ball into the area. Somehow, Imprezzabile found herself marking three Roma players all at once, Pirone, Sarturini, and Giuliano. So you can't blame Imprezzabile for not being tight on anyone there. As a defender, there's not much you can do on that type of play. We were just slow to get back to defend the counter. The cross fell for Giuliano, who volleyed into the back of the goal to make the score 3-0. The game was pretty much over at that point, but we did finally settle down after the third goal, Though Roma continued to push forward. Pirone was a constant threat. She nearly scored again in the 26th minute by blocking Aguirre's clearance. But the ball finished wide of the mark. Then just a few minutes later she had another shot at goal. But it missed the target. Bernauer and Giuliano both had shots on target as well. Bernauer fired a rocket on target. But caught too much of the goal and Aguirre made the save. While Giuliano didn't connect fully on the volley from a Roma set piece. And Aguirre stopped that shot easily as well. Then about 5 minutes before the break Napoli pulled one back after Akuti won a corner kick. Kunrath played a gorgeous long ball leading up to the corner. She actually had a very good match all things considered. Kunrath took the corner herself which was cleared straight back to her but she crossed the ball back into the danger area where Goldoni was waiting to head in at the back post. After being shut out in week 1 against Inter, that was our first goal of the season, and one that briefly gave us hope that we could fight our way back into this match. Unfortunately, Roma came right back at us and in the third minute of stoppage time scored their fourth goal. Once again, we got beat on the right wing, once again our marking was poor, and once again there was a player wide open in front of the goal. Corrado stepped up to pick the run of Andresa, but she was already marked by Kunrath, and as a result... Bartoli was left wide open in front of the goal. Once again imprezzabile was caught between two Roma players, this time Bartoli and Sartorini. Bartoli got to the ball first and glanced it into the bottom corner, much like Gloria Marinelli did against us in our opening match. That concluded what was an action-packed first half. In fact, all the action was in the first half as neither team scored in the second half. I'd say we were fortunate not to concede in the second half though. We continue to make mistakes and Pirone continued to give our backline a hard time. In the 48th minute, Gonzalez played a back pass straight into Pirone's path, but Aguida did really well to stop the shot from close range. Then in the 52nd minute, Di Marino played the ball straight to Gliona. She played Pirone through, who was played onside by Corrado. Pirone beat Aguila this time, but she didn't beat the upright. Besides that giveaway Di Marino actually put in a very strong performance in her long awaited return. She came on at the half and I think she played well enough to earn herself a start against Fiorentina. She made a great play in the 54th minute with Roma 3v1 she managed to head the ball clear then she also made an excellent slide tackle on Sartorini in the 69th minute. Another player that made her return for this match and also played well was Depi Chatsi Nicolaou. She replaced Corrado in the 55th minute to give us more of an attacking edge and I thought she linked up really well with Popadinova. She nearly scored in the 79th minute after intercepting Swabi's clearance but her curling effort finished just over the bar so there were some positives to take away from this match even if it was generally a poor performance and obviously it was not a great scoreline. We've now been outscored 7-1 in our first two matches, but like I said, Inter and Roma are both very strong teams. I think our next match against Fiorentina will be much more competitive. That game is on Sunday the 12th. Pistolezzi echoed these sentiments in his post-match conference. While he said he didn't like the way we conceded the first three goals, surely referring to the mistakes we made, he acknowledged the strength of the opponents and he said the challenge against Fiorentina will be more affordable. That will do for part one. In part two, we'll review our friendly against Benevento. <laughs>
0: Ma albero senza strada errà, ti frutta cotta. hai già manù bicchiere e vino, e poi spatti manco a per te salutare. Ma non si torna più ma noi non ti ammè Chiavo cotte, chiavo cura, l'importante è che stai buona tu sai. E così si torna da chiocca, ma noi un dramma spurtata E chiavo cotte, chiavo cura, l'importante
1: è che stai buona tu. Next let's review our friendly match against Benevento on Monday, Benevento won 5-1 on goals from Giacomo Calo, Ricardo Improta, Dom Fulan, Roberto Insigne and Bruno Umile. Matteo Politano scored the lone goal for Napoli. This was a really difficult match to watch, a lot of Napoli fans were surprised by this result to say the least, some fans were embarrassed by this result, regardless of the fact that a number of our first team players were not available because of their international obligations. A lot of people felt that even our backups should have beat Benevento. Instead, Luciano Spalletti suffered his first loss as the Azzurri manager. Personally, I'd much rather Spalletti lose a friendly to a crosstown rival than lose a match against anyone in Serie A. Now, most Napoli fans did qualify their disappointment by saying, I know it's just a friendly, so at least that recognition was there. I'm not bothered by this loss whatsoever as far as the result goes, this is a meaningless game, though I do think there were some logical reasons for having the match in the first place. I'll give you my thoughts on how this result happened in this review, but first, let's get to the starting lineups. Benevento lined up in a 4-2-3-1 with Alberto Pagliari in goal, Alessandro Voliaco and Federico Barba started at centre-back, Dom Fulon started at left-back and Gaetano Letizia started at right-back. Giacomo Caló and Gennaro Acampora started in the double pivot. Riccardo Improta started on the left wing and Salvatore Elia started on the right wing. Finally, Roberto Insignia played in the 10 behind Gabriele Moncini. Luciano Spalletti lined up in a 4-2-3-1 as well, but with so many players off on international duty, this was a very different looking Napoli squad. Davide Marfella started in goal. Costas Manolas and Juan Jesus started at centre-back. Alessandro Zanoli started at left-back and Kevin Malcui started at right back. Mario Rui, of all people, started in the double pivot alongside Fabian Ruiz. Matteo Politano started in his usual position on the right wing, and Chucky Lozano started on the left wing. Adam Una started in the 10, and finally Andrea Petagna started at striker. Alright, so let's get to the match. I said I would give you my thoughts on why we lost, so let's start there, and then I'll give you a couple reasons why we played this match in the first place. The first and most obvious reason why we lost was simply that, between injuries and international call-ups, Napoli were missing a lot of important players. Victor Osiman, Lorenzo Insigne, Dries Mertens, Piotr Zielinski, Eli Felmas, Diego Demme, Stanislav Lobotka, Andre Frankangisa, Kalidou Libali, Amir Rachmani, Giovanni Di Lorenzo, Alex Meret, and Davido Spina were all not available for this match, That meant only four or five of our regular starters were in the starting 11, Politano, Lozano, Fabian, Manolas, and Mario Rui. That also meant we had to use a couple of players out of position, with no Zielinski, Mertens, Elmas, or even Insigne, we had no true 10s in the squad, so we played Adam Unas there. Unas was actually one of the few bright spots for Napoli though, he made a couple of long runs from box to box, he seemed the most likely player to score and the most likely to set up a goal, which I suppose you could say he did, Unas won the penalty kick, which Matteo Politano converted to score our only goal of the match. The other player that was used out of position was Mario Rui. With Deme, Hurt and Lobotka and Nguisa on international duty, we didn't have any holding midfielders available. As a result, Spalletti played Mario Rui there. To me, that was the primary reason we didn't win this match, and that's not a knock on Mario Rui, I don't blame him for not knowing how to play as a holding midfielder, but that is such an important position, especially in Spalletti's system. Everything goes through the central midfielder. So it's not surprising to me that we didn't create the build-up that we normally do and that we didn't create that many opportunities to score. Another key reason why this match didn't go so well was the fact that we had Davide Marfella in goal. We now know why the club is so eager to bring David Ospina back from Colombia for the Juventus match. I don't mean to be too hard on the guy, but the reality is quite simply that Marfella is not good enough to play at this level. We saw it from the early stages of the match where instead of clearing the ball out he tried to shield it all the way from the box towards the touchline and was fortunate to win a foul. Then on the first goal he was slow to get across, it looked like he got a hand on the ball but wasn't strong enough to keep it out. If you watch that goal again before the shot is taken you can actually see Manolas turn back and hold one finger up to Marfella as if to ask if he's sure he only wants a one man wall and if you're going to set up a one man wall you basically need to stand in the middle of the goal because that one player isn't going to provide that much protection but Marfella set up on the right side of the goal and he was too deep which only made it more difficult for him to get across. I'll give Marfella the benefit of the doubt on the second goal. I think he probably could have done better, as that shot wasn't hit that hard, but the defending was quite poor there as well. And I definitely don't blame him for the third goal. That was an absolute rocket by Fulon. The fourth and fifth goals were conceded by our Primavera keeper Hubert Dasiak. That's what I want to talk about next. We played a large portion of the second half with our Primavera team. Early in the second half, we replaced Rui and Manolas. With Antonio Vergara and Davide Costanzo, respectively. Shout out to Vergara, I thought he played really well for the 45 minutes or so that he was on the pitch. I was really happy to see him do well. Then, shortly after the Politano goal, we replaced Politano with D'Agostino. After Benevento went up 3 1, we replaced Fabian Lozano Unas and Marfella with Filippo Costa, Pasquale Maranzino, Giovanni Mercurio, and Huberti Dasiak. I was very excited to see Mercurio play. I forgot to mention him in the Mercato review episode, but Mercurio is an 18-year-old attacking midfielder we signed from Bari. We also signed his good friend Musa Sane. They both came from Bari's youth system. We've naturally done a fair bit of scouting at Bari since De Laurentiis purchased the club in 2018. So far, though, none of those players have really panned out. Mercurio didn't look too bad he had a scoring chance in the 77th minute after a gorgeous through ball from Petania but he pulled his shot wide of the far post. So good signs there I'm looking forward to seeing what Mercurio can do with the Primavera this season. The last thing I want to say is we should give Benevento a little bit more credit. People are acting like they're a set D team and that our backups should beat them. This is a Benevento team that two seasons ago won Serie B by an 18 point margin. It's a Benevento team that had an excellent first half of the season and easily could have stayed up in Serie A had it not been for a monumental collapse in the second half of the season. Benevento made only three changes to the squad they fielded against Parma in their last Serie B game. Voliaco started over Kamil Glick at centre-back. Acampora started over Artu in the midfield. And Moncini started over Marco Sao. Sao even came off the bench. In fact, seconds after coming on, he assisted on Fulan's goal. So to all the people who are saying that our backups should beat Benevento, I respectfully disagree. They probably should have been more competitive But we played a bunch of guys who hardly play together, never mind the backups to the backups who don't train with Spalletti at all. I also think there's a bit of a misconception about what depth means, which is something I talked about last season when half of our team was injured. Depth does not mean that you have a second 11 on the bench that can come on and beat good teams. That's what depth means for mega clubs like PSG, Man City, and so on. But for a club our size, depth means having guys that can come off the bench and make an impact if someone is tired or having a bad game. Like Lozano and Politano, depending on who's starting. Depth is having a guy who can play as a starter if someone gets hurt, like Lobotka playing while Deme is out. But those guys are most effective when they're still playing with most of our regular starters. Once you have four or five or six backups on the field you start to lose the team structure, you lose the cohesion, and if you replace 7 starters with backups, this is what happens. So if none of these guys are used to playing with each other and we should have lost, you might ask yourself why even bother having this friendly in the first place, and worse, why risk sustaining injuries? I can give you a few reasons. First, it was an opportunity to make a quick buck, the Maradona looked as full as it can be right now and the club needs every dollar it can get, So let's call that De reason for playing the match. Spalletti had a few reasons as well. The first was to give guys like Petagna, Lozano, and Juan Jesus a run. Lozano didn't train at all this summer and Petagna missed a lot of time both due to injury and Juan Jesus hasn't played a whole lot in the last few seasons for Roma. You could see that none of those players are at full fitness yet. They all tired as the match wore on. I thought Lozano looked good early on. He was cutting into the middle and he got a few shots off, but he faded after that. Sure, they can run in training, but a friendly is obviously a closer simulation to a real match, which is what Spalletti likes, than anything you can do in training. Quick comment on Lozano, over the last few seasons, I've seen so many people say that we need to play Lozano on the left wing because that's his natural position. Volzano hasn't played exclusively as a left winger since he played for Pachuca in Mexico, which is where PSV found him. He played two seasons at PSV. In the first, he played on both wings equally. He made 14 appearances on the left wing where he scored 9 goals and assisted 7, which is excellent production. But in the 13 appearances he made on the right wing, he still scored 7 goals and assisted one more, which is also very good production. Then in his second season at PSV, Lozano made only 12 appearances on the left wing and scored only 4 goals and 1 assist, while on the right wing, he made 18 appearances, scored 13 goals, and assisted 7. So I'm not buying this idea that he's a natural left winger or even if he is, I'm not buying the idea that that's the best position for him to play and his play at Napoli seems to validate that he's better on the right. The other reason for Spalletti is that friendlies are an opportunity to test new ideas. We saw a lot of that in preseason friendlies, and we saw a bit of it here as well. A perfect example was swapping Melqui and Zanoli at halftime, which gave Spalletti a chance to see how Melqui would do on the left. As it turns out, he can't play there at all. Malqui struggled all match, but he really struggled on the left side. He looked very uncomfortable on the left. He was making passes with the outside of his right boot instead of with his left boot. He got beat by Enrico Brignola on the Benevento penalty kick, and then he got beat by Umila on the fifth goal. Umila is actually a product of Napoli's Primavera, who signed with Benevento on a free transfer this summer, so two ex-Napoli players scored against us, the other being Insigne, of course. Malqui was also beat by Elia in the build-up to the second goal, but that was on the right side. So, because of this friendly, we now know that we simply cannot play Malqui as a left-back. That's where I'll leave it. I'm surprised I actually had that much to say about a friendly match but there you have it. Hopefully your main takeaway from this review is that we should not read too much into this result. If you liked what you heard please give us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. As always if you need to get a hold of me you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fisket 5 or you can find the podcast on Twitter Instagram and Facebook at Fort Zanapoli Pod. I'll be back in a couple of days with a new episode of Forza Napoli Worldwide and to preview the Juve game, but until next time, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli Santa.
0: I say de tu salida tu salida tu cor ingrato que yo despiete famé el alcohol famé el alcohol a dos, lo fuego coche mas si fuye el asistar la asistar e un te corri a piezo en un te excluye sulla la guarda su la guarda Bye. Bye.